0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Core Consult RX podcast, and we're here with our long lost buddy AJ again. He's back.
1: Yes, and from AJ. his cruise.
0: Hello, hello. I made it back from Soviet Russia. Well, okay.
1: I don't think you were there, but okay, that's fine. He was. On <laughs> I didn't May- know they did cruises there. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't know it was still Soviet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or that. A lot of, I didn't a lot know of it was 1992. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, anyways, AJ, um, are you starting school back again here pretty soon? Very soon. Too soon. Are you excited? Not at all. Well, that's it's third year for you, right? Yeah.
1: Dude. Maybe once he's back on a schedule, um, we'll see him more.
0: Maybe. Yeah. Less vacation time. Yeah. We'll see. It takes a lot of... This guy needs a lot of vacation, a lot of downtime. Yeah. worked down <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> <laughs> work too hard. Man. Do you remember being a student and getting summers off?
0: Uh-uh. It's a while ago, huh? Yeah.
1: Well, I also had to work, too. It was well, a long while. I mean, off like, from, like, school. Yeah. well, I don't know. I don't think I ever really worked uh, like 40 hours a week during no. The summers. No, I was like, let me hang out for a little bit. Yeah. You know, I was like,
0: you know what I should do? I should get married right now with no money. And then we were just like, 40. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. Then I had to work.
1: <laughs> I was definitely not married. And every time I worked as an intern and saw what, you know, I knew what I was making per hour and thought, like, man, it's not worth it. Like my a time. couple of years, it's going to be a lot different. So, so. I'll just not go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Respect. Yeah. Well, and I did not just show up for shifts. I just right, right, right. It was of course. in a forty-hour situation, right? AJ,
0: he's he's not function showing up for shifts. <laughs> what we got uh, going on today? Uh, so we got another accredited episode, another ACPE accredited episode for pharmacists and nurses. Um, this episode is going to cover COPD, which is a topic I don't think we've covered outside of like a patient case in
1: a while, years, years.
0: So. Thanks to uh, FarmCon, another uh, time to partner with us and offer this uh, ed- continuing ed credit through the, the their website and in our podcast. Um, so if you're not a member already, make sure that you check out uh, freece.com and uh, they have a whole list of different monographs and live lectures and um, all kinds of good stuff coming up. Plus, you can get access to continuing it through our podcast episodes. And um, if you are a member already, just click the link in the show notes and then just go do the... Uh, the post activity test, um, do well on that and you'll get your credit. And um, that's easy. It, it, pretty easy.
1: They need the password now or later.
0: And the, let's give you the password right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which is EXHAL, Exhale, E X H A L E, all capital letters, um, and put that in there and you will get access to the uh, the post activity test. Very nice. Exhale. Good to go? That's it, right? Yes. Good. I was, All caps. I was
1: there, Cole when I say it to make sure I'm to double-check
0: myself. I could just write it down, but
1: it's better to... Fortunately, it's in the show notes anyway. Yes. I would probably listen to the whole episode and then forget the password and then just go back to the show notes and look at it anyway.
0: I'm not going to lie. We do have quite a not I I shouldn't say a few. We have a few. Let's just say it. We won't say quite a few. Say a few. They will still email or text the, the texting app that's supposed to be for pharmacotherapy questions and be like, yeah... CE credits not happening. I don't know how to get to it. <laughs> yeah. So password. I am the IT guy. It's just a password. But so um, we're gonna cover uh, just kind of the new guidelines. They get updated every year, so it's not anything too crazy um, based on like uh, what we've already talked about in some of the cases. But we'll yeah, kind of maybe go in the last through.
1: couple years since we've covered it, there's a few new things. But um, yes. Yeah. yes, we're just
0: gonna kind of go step by step. Yep. What you got for us first, call?
1: Yeah. So we'll start with some background stuff, um, and then we'll hit uh, some pathophysiology, risk factors, medications, and then kind of hit the guidelines and where we go with treatment, as well as some, um, not diagnostic um, tools, but some um, classification tools, because that's going to guide therapy. So um, COPD, um, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease is what it stands for. Uh, it's uh, the entire respiratory tract from the upper airways down to the terminal bronchioles is lined by mucus-covered ciliated epithelium. Right, we've all heard that. Um, the airway secretions are produced by goblet cells and mucus-secreting glands. The issue with um, COPD is the cilia lining the airways move the mucus, or supposed to move the mucus, covering them up the airway away from the alveoli. And towards the pharynx, and they call this the mucociliary escalator. Um, it's especially important for the removal of inhaled particles um, that come to the rest that come to rest in the airways. It's pretty amazing, really. Um, alveolar macrophages are large mononuclear amoeboid cells that inhabit the alveolar surface. They engulf inspired material that reach the terminal airways and the alveoli. Uh, they're important in the lung's immune and inflammatory response. They secrete many enzymes, uh, immune response components, growth factors, cytokines, various other things. Um, so it's very important. And the problem is with COPD, we have some issues there, some defects, right? Yeah.
0: There's the alveolar uh, macrophages. Um, and yeah, so Cole mentioned the mucociliary escalator and, you know, when we talk about a patient who develops COPD, you know, I think we did asthma not too long ago, which is obviously a lot of times will start to show itself in more, you know, earlier age, you know, younger patient population. COPD usually takes longer to develop and, you know, that, that it all kind of works around the fact that, um, or besides like the bronchodilation and things like that, that we kind of think about, um, one thing I tend to, um, always focusing on with COPD is that mucociliary escalator like Cole mentioned and when that process is you know uh, hindered from working properly and all that mucus and, and you know uh, gunk that kind of gets brought up because of those noxious particles you get caught in the in the lungs um, and that system is not able to bring it back out it just kind of turns in this vicious cycle you start overproducing this mucus and um, the obstruction itself just tends to get worse and worse um, there's also um a tendency to cause air flow limitation and gas trapping over time. So like with the the peripheral airway limitation, um, it's going to progressively trap gas during expiration. Um, So a person exhales and that traps that glass and that causes this hyperinflation. Uh, And then the hyperinflation reduces inspiratory capacity. Um, And it's also been associated, obviously, with the increase in Dipsnia and limitation of exercise capacity, things like that. Um, and there's also, can besides the gas trapping, you can also have gas exchange abnormalities where the gas transfer of oxygen and carbon dioxide worsens as the disease progresses. And then, um, like I was saying, that, hu- that mucus hypersecretion is a big factor that um, this, because your system is not able to actually get that mucus um, out of there, out of the lungs. So it just keeps on producing and producing um, and making the situation worse over time.
1: Right. And uh, there are some risk factors that we're all pretty familiar with um, as far as exposures, but then also some uh, what they call host factors, which are just like genetic predisposition and things like that. Exposures, tobacco smoke um, is going to be the biggest one. Um, So people who smoke strongly associated with COPD. Occupational dusts and other chemicals, air pollution in general. um, In other countries, that can be um, a, a Large um, contributor, uh, maybe more so than in the U.S. Host factors, like I said, genetic predisposition, uh, an AAT deficiency uh, specifically, airway hyper-responsiveness, impaired lung growth, all of those are, are risk factors for development.
0: And uh, if you look at the, uh, the, the goal guidelines from 2022, they had this really good, you know, just sort of very simplistic flowchart. Um, that is labeled the etiology, uh, pathobiology, and pathology of COPD leading to airflow limitation. Um, and so they kind of just break it down like whole set of smoking and pollutants or host factors, and then they talk about the impaired lung growth and lung injury and all that, and then kind of going into more so the, the airway disorder and abnormalities that we were talking about um, as well as like emphysema and systemic effects. And then, um, and then and they show the clinical manifestations of that, oh, is like kind of the last piece that start to show up, obviously, and that's where you get the, you know, the overall symptoms and also the exacerbations and things like that as well that we want to prevent from happening. So we want to kind of, slow this whole process down. Uh, obviously, we, the starting at the etiology part and stopping smoking at a younger age is a much better way of stopping this progression. But once they've already started to develop COPD, there's not going to be a way to ever cure it or fix it completely. But we want to slow the process down and get them to uh, a, a quality of life that is good as possible um, and reduce that airflow air limitation as much as we can.
1: Right. Uh, And before we get there, um, COPD does have to be diagnosed, and the primary um, way to do that is with spirometry. Um, There are some indicators that can point you in the direction of COPD that might say, okay, we need to um, consider COPD and perform spirometry for this patient. They're not diagnostic, but there's some indicators that this might be the problem. Um, So dyspnea, shortness of breath that's progressive over time, might kind of mention that. It's characteristically worse with exercise, and it's persistent a chronic cough, might be intermittent, might be unproductive, uh, also a recurrent wheeze, chronic sputum production, so a lot of excess mucus, any pattern of chronic sputum production can indicate COPD, uh, recurrent lower respiratory tract infections, uh, history of different risk factors that we kind of talked about, like the host factors, factors, the tobacco smoke, occupational dusts and things, uh, also a family history of COPD um, or childhood factors like low birth weight, childhood respiratory infections, those can increase your risk even long-term. And this is kind of specifically, um, you're thinking individuals over 40 years old. Um, cause like Mike said, it tends to happen in, in older individuals, um, uh, and progress over time.
0: Now, um, Cole mentioned chronic cough. And I think that's a big, uh, kind of key differential, um, part to, to pay attention to uh, and it is important also to realize though that uh, a chronic cough can happen from various um, origins of too. so just to kind of Things to keep in mind when we're talking about other causes like chronic cough and things that kind of have is part of your differential diagnosis when you're going through this process and um, probably before you push to, to have them undergo spirometry. But um, you know, asthma can cause uh, intrathoracic chronic cough. Same with like tuberculosis or lung cancer, um, left heart failure as well, um, or any kind of like interstitial lung disease. And then uh, extra thoracic origins of a cough could be things like chronic allergic rhinitis, um, post-nasal drip syndrome. Um, also, obviously, like um, gastroesophageal reflux um, or medications that can induce it, such as ACE inhibitors, is a classic example. Um, so, the, one of those things that uh, we want to make sure that we've done a really good, you know, kind of history on the patient, make sure that we, we know all the different potential reasons, especially if the cough is on top of the dipsyne It's kind of like what's keep pushing us more towards the uh, um, the, the diagnosis of, of COPD. Um, that we should kind of make sure that we've accounted for some of those other little things like, you know, we might not think about like acid reflux isn't a big one when someone's worried about COPD, but make sure you've kind of gone through all those that could be making it worse.
1: Right. Uh, so the next few things we'll talk about are classification and the goal guidelines emphasize this pretty heavily because this is what they use to uh, drive therapy decisions. So there's their overall uh, classification of airflow limitation severity. So the gold um, classifications one through four. Um, then uh, we'll talk about the um, MRC grades and as well as the CAT score. All of those are Um, Going to help us guide therapy, and those are um, indicators for um, how poor, how bad somebody's dyspnea is, as well as what their quality of life is. I'll just talk about the gold guidelines um, real quick. But uh, in uh, there's gold one, gold two, gold three, and gold four, and all those are associated with mild, then moderate, then severe, then very severe. Uh, Gold one would be an FEV one greater than eighty percent of what they predict. Gold two would be fifty to eighty percent gold three would be 30 to 50 percent and gold four would be less than 30 percent fev being the um, forced expiratory volume uh, in one second i believe which is why it's called Mm -hmm. the fev one and they will use a a device uh, to to measure that and give you the gold grade
0: yeah, so as far as like interpreting spirometry things like that, um, the first thing we would want to get, like it calls said, the FEV one, and then also the FVC, um, which is like the maximum volume of air that can be exhaled, exhaled after taking a deep breath in. Um, they'll they'll get a um, a ratio of those where they'll look at uh, basically FEV one divided by FEV, FVC and see whether it's below seventy percent or not. If, if it is below 70, that means there's an obstructive defect there. Um, If the FVC by itself is less than 80%, um, that means that it's a pure obstruction versus like a hyperinflation, you know, combined obstruction type of things. Um, If it's less than 80%, that's what we were thinking. If it's above 80%, we're thinking pure obstruction. Um, And then from there, the FEV1s, kind of like Cole was saying, can talk about the the severity of the obstruction, the lower the FEV1, the more severe the obstruction. And then um, we would also assess with... Um, getting a, a reverse a reversible i um or seeing a reversing of those uh that, that obstruction if we give a beta agonist um and so if we see like a 12 percent increase from fev1 that's thinking we're thinking more along the lines of asthma versus if we don't see as much of a response then we're thinking it's probably on the copd side um but just to kind of you know talk a little bit about that. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar with the spirometry, um, you know, uh, settings and, and what to look for, that's kind of the, the breakdown of it. Right. Um, but I feel like from a pharmacotherapy aspect, um, that A, B, C, D mm-hmm. that Cole was kind of talking about and the, the grade, the grade one through four, and then the associated A, B, C, D, um, is pretty much the easiest way to think about it when it comes to initiating therapy for COPD.
1: Yeah, Uh, and another factor that's going to play into the ABCD, which we'll go into in a second, is going to be the modified MRC Dyspnea Scale, uh, the MRC stands for Medical Research Council, not really related, uh, but it, you'll see it uh, designated as the MRC, and that's grades one through four as well. This is going to talk about how breathless a patient gets e- either doing um, certain activities or not. So grade zero would be only getting breathless with strenuous exercise. I'd probably put myself in grade zero, um, maybe even grade one for me. Get shorter breath when hurrying on the level or walking up a slight hill. If I'm hurrying, I might get out of breath, so maybe I'm grade one. I also, it's interesting when I guess they're talking about level ground, right? But they, the way they phrase it is on the level. Um, (laughs) I think that this, I could be totally wrong, but I think that this might be um, uh, a European scale. So I wonder if that's, um, I don't know, vernacular. On the level, like if we're, what happened? What does it mean if you say you're on the level? Um, I don't know. It's like like, it's like you're you're being. Aj, you're
0: young. What does that mean? Zero percent incline. Okay, yes, that's AJ. what that means.
1: I don't know. If, I, if somebody's on the level, that means like they're not playing Whoa. games. They're, they're being straight. Like, you, yeah. you know, you're, you're not playing Rather games. On the level. You're
0: on the level. Right. It's, it's, it's legit. It's, it, it sounds like like when you say it, I know what you mean, but I don't know how to express that in words. Okay, well, I,
1: that's why I asked you to do it. And I said, <laughs> I, I don't, I just, do I'm
0: explaining. It. I don't know how. It's, it's just th- sometimes you're just too cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm a cool cat. <laughs> Anyways, as I was reading this, that's all I could think. So, grade two, I digress. Um, uh, somebody might describe that they walk slower than people of the same age on the level because of breathlessness, or they have to stop for breath when they're walking at their own pace on the level. Uh, grade three, they, <laughs> <laughs> they stop for breath after walking 100 meters uh, or after a few minutes on the level. And then grade four, they're, they're too breathless to leave the house or uh, they're breathless when uh, dressing or undressing, doing regular activities of daily living. So it's just progressive um, descriptions of their breathlessness.
0: And then you already mentioned the CAT score or CAT assessment.
1: Yes. Yes. And that's more quality of life related. Yeah. So a series of questions related to quality of life. But you definitely need
0: both of them because it's going to help when you determine which therapies we're going to start with. Yes. So I guess we'll just kind of go through uh, some of the um, inhaler types and medications that are utilized and then we'll put them all back together. <laughs> Let's do it. Sounds good. let break it apart
1: and piece it back together. Yeah. Just you It's know. like a puzzle. <laughs> just like a puzzle. Like a puzzle.
0: So. The, um, the first uh, class of medications, if you will, would be the SABAs, or the short-acting beta-2 agonists. Um, albuterol is primarily going to be the agent utilized in this class. Um, there's also Livabuterol, which is Zopenex. Um, you're not going to see that one utilized as often. Um, it's just one of those things that uh, the cost and the proposed benefit of it is one of those things that's probably not really worth the, the difference and most people end up just doing fine with albuterol. But um, this is considered like the rescue inhalers now. You heard us probably harp on the Symbicort as the rescue inhaler or basically an ICS for motorol with asthma. That is not at all the case with COPD. Nope. So for those of you who get those two confused, COPD, we do not under any circumstances use Symbicort or Dolera or neither for motorol-based lava ICS combos as rescue inhalers. We're still using the albuterol-based products. Yep, um, it was in, you'll see it, uh, steroids are not going to be utilized um, nearly to the same extent as we would in asthma. Mm-hmm. But
1: I feel like, um, well, we'll talk about it. But I feel like they, though they were always like last line, I feel like the guidelines are favoring them even like less. Yeah, now, in very just very specific situations. Yeah,
0: and I, I feel like I remember like a, I, I want to see as May 2018, 2019. Maybe we'll have to listen. I think that's when we did an episode last. Maybe we'll, we talked about it. But I feel like I remember them saying like you could either do the the laba llama path or the lava ICS either one was okay. like we kind of prefer this one but either one's fine I, I think feel like they've gotten a lot more
1: I think that was kind of I remember that being a big update but probably around 2018-2019 yeah. with them switching to say like no more definitive more definitive yeah yeah
0: so um, as far as the rescue inhaler, the, the albuterol or, or lev-albuterol, um, we're thinking about you know the onset can be within a couple minutes, um, the peak 30 to 60 minutes with a duration of around 4 to 6 hours. Um, it's basically just working by binding to those beta-2 androgenic receptors, um, which is going to increase the cyclic AMP levels, and uh, that's going to cause that smooth muscle relaxation and inhibit the, the release of uh, immediate hypersensitivity mediators from mast cells and things like that. Um, adverse effects and this is obviously going to become more of a a, or a bigger deal i would say if the patient is overusing their rescue inhaler um, which can be a very good indication that we need to use uh, better methods of controlling their their symptoms but um, adverse effects nervousness um, anxiety tremor tachycardia palpitations cough hyperglycemia are all things that could potentially be um uh, result of overusing the, the albuterol. I mean, they, there are adverse effects, but um, a lot of times we don't see these kind of issues until the patient's using them more than they need to.
1: Right. Um, we have a, uh, another short-acting agent as well, short-acting muscarinic antagonist. So Sama is how you'll see it designated. Um, Itropropium uh, is the one. It's branded as Atravent. It's typically used in COPD, um, but occasionally used off-label in asthma exacerbations. Uh, if I see that, it seems like it's always combined with the right? The onset's very uh, quick within minutes, but generally by itself, it's considered less effective than the Saba. Um, so probably only for um, patients who may have had an issue with a Saba in the past. Uh, the peak is at two hours, duration is four to six hours. It has some side effects as well. Dry mouth, uh, itchy or scratchy throat, a bitter taste. <clears throat> but yeah, it's an option. and can be combined with the albuterol. So it'd be a Saba plus Sama albuterol to Um That's branded as the Combivent Respimat. Uh, it's one inhalation four times a day, uh, up to four times a day. Uh, or the nebulized option, like we said, the duonebs. Um, And the combination has been shown to be superior to either one alone as far as improving FEV1 and symptoms as well.
0: Yeah, so if you're like using the combo is kind of like the ideal situation if you can get the insurance to pay for it. Yeah, I feel, I feel like,
1: like I see that most often, the do neb, neb, Like with paper, patients, are having, well, I guess I'm thinking more of an exacerbation. Yeah. I'm thinking of this Yeah, if you need,
0: a, the, need the
1: nebulizer for sure. But like but a rescue, the, yeah.
0: The last couple of times we've gotten patients on the Respa mat, like the actual combo rescue mat, um, we had to show that they had used albuterol first, yeah. and then we're still having issues. But, I mean, it kind of makes sense, though, because from a COPD standpoint, you need that. That bronchodilation, but um, the Sama, you're also, you're getting some dilation, but you're also getting that uh, anticholinergic effect yep. and that mucus hypersecretion is a big problem. So yep. it makes sense to have a Sama on board. Um, so yeah, they, they, the combo at like Colstead is preferred or is superior based on, compared to either of the agents alone. So if you can get them on the, the combo that definitely probably a better option, but um, albuterol if you have to pick one of the two. Yep. So, our long acting beta 2 agonists are our LABAs. Um, Salmeterol so is probably the one that I would say has been around probably the longest, but it's like a single agent. Um, Formotarol is another one that's available um, under the brand name Perforamist. Perfor- uh, Indicatorol is our capta in the, in the neohaler device, which is the worst device of all time. <laughs> um, Olodaterol is uh, the Striverity Respimat. Um, then if you guys aren't familiar with that neo that I'm making fun of, it's another one of those like kind of like the Spariva handy healer was where you put the capsule in mm-hmm. there and puncture it and have to breathe in the contents of the capsule.
1: Why do you think they would do it that way? Is it, is, is it because they could, I mean, I don't see why they couldn't just use a dry powder discus probably, and it would be better than doing a capsule. It's
0: probably way cheaper to make think so? Probably. Okay. I'm sure like once you get that... That's true. You know, when you're talking about millions and millions of units, it's probably... Even like nice. the
1: Adver disc is just probably like... Yeah, because then they can keep their device and just use new... Um, capsules. Capsules yeah. as opposed to having to have a new device each refill. You're right. But... It's about it's money. <laughs> unbelievable. Somehow I don't th- I bet you that this isn't like not much cheaper. I mean, it, it, as far as from a patient's perspective, it's yeah, probably, probably not. an insurance perspective. Like they're probably... It's not like they're gonna get like some deal on the neohaler, you know.
0: Yeah, they should because it's a piece of junk. I know. Um, But uh, these are all um, labeled with a uh, U.S. box warning to uh, warn patients about the risk of increase in asthma-related death um, if used without an ICS. Basically, that does not apply to our patients here because it's COPD. So we harped on this big time when it comes to asthma patients. We never, ever use a LABA without an ICS. That is not the case with um, COPD patients just so there's no confusion about that. We're not going to induce asthma related death in a patient that does not have asthma. Right. Um, uh, and you can use a LABA by itself without an ICS, um, or with a combo with a LAMA or something else in COPD, but you can use it by itself. There's, it's not an issue. And then the adverse effects would just still kind of mimic those of, uh, the albuterols, um, with maybe a little bit more, um, of a chronic onset, but nervousness, tremor, tachycardia, all that good stuff.
1: But it's a good point. Um, because it it kind of helps me remember, laba is one of the first lineish options for COPD maintenance, but last line option for asthma, and it kind of mm-hmm. you know, kind of reverses them in my mind. Yeah, well, and I think it
0: it makes sense too. From uh um, when when you're trying to like think through the the ICS in general, I feel like it's just like anytime I can stay away from that from asthma, I'm always I definitely that always pops into my head is like you know let's stay away from ICS as much as we can I'm sorry with COPD yeah and I think so when these type of things come up and I see like a a combo of a LABA and ICS I'm automatically my first assumption is I hope that's not a patient with COPD because that means they didn't they didn't do a very good job of getting them on the proper stuff first but I don't Um, know ICS is always a red flag when I see a COPD patient for sure yep we'll talk about that in a little bit we will I'm getting ahead of it I'm so excited yes that's a cliffhanger (laughs) (laughs) AJ are you very entertained I'm locked in good, 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 good. That's how we check.
1: So, our next long acting agents, um, just like short acting muscarinic antagonists, we got long acting ones, llamas. Uh, Mike mentioned this, handy handyhaler, so that's Teotropium, also comes as a respimat um, respimat option. You know, you want to hear something funny that I don't think we've ever talked about in the last six years six years how long have we known each other oh, about six years probably. something like yeah, that yeah. uh when uh well longer actually because when i was a first year pharmacy student you were a fourth year pharmacy student okay Oh, you might remember this you were on rotation with dr Sterrett okay. in yeah. his lab you recall uh-huh. uh so i was one of the students as a okay. first year okay and so at I the end of, i don't think i ever knew that i know we never have talked about this <laughs> oh, I, I just have forgotten to until I'm just nervous. right now no i don't remember much about it except that um there was a guy named austin who was along with yeah me. Yeah, yeah. yeah so um the, at the end of the year we had to do some checkoffs for certain things. I think we might have had like ostheley or OSCE type things but I, one of them we had like to choose from three different things that you could be quizzing us about but um, it was uh, I had to show, demonstrate to a patient how to use a spreeva handy inhaleler and you were my reviewer and uh, <laughs> I totally messed up. Like the first thirty percent of it, I think I just skipped whatever the criteria was. I just totally skipped it. And I think I did okay on the rest of it, but then you like pointed out that I totally missed the first part of it, and then we just kind of talked about it. And then you gave me credit for it. and It was all good, but I I'm think I, I should have probably failed it.
0: I'm such a nice uh, creator, I AJ. I know. What year was this? O three, O four. And first <laughs> of all, AJ, no, not even close. No, oh, but it's
1: it was it's coming up on a decade ago though. Oh, it was probably say it like it that. was probably It eight was eight twenty years.
0: fifteen, I guess. Yeah, if she, I was in yeah. Ster- yeah,
1: it was twenty fifteen. That would have been probably spring of twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. It was March. Because that was that's when I had ster- yeah 15. it was my last rotation. Yeah. Yeah, it's and it would have been the end of the year, close to the end of the year for me because we were doing these checkoffs. Huh. So Spariva handy hailer was me and you in a room, me showing you how to use it and screwing up. I might have been in elementary school back then. <laughs> um, probably. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> that's pretty funny. I, yeah, I so it totally... comes to my mind whenever I see the handy healer and then I forget to tell you about it so now I have after a hundred and eighty five episodes. Oh, there
0: we go. I helped cold cheat. Yeah.
1: You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, I learned. Uh I just didn't fail that little check. See,
0: there you go. That's why I wouldn't that's why it does no good to fail you. <laughs> yeah, and right. and we've all grown now. <laughs>
1: We, I was ahead of my time. We made it. We figured it out. <laughs> Take so, notes, AJ. So teotropium the first. There's also aclidinium, and that's branded as the two doors, press air device. Umekladynium is in Cruzalipta. You probably see that a lot. Um, Then there's two glycopyrrolate uh, options. There's the Seabree NeoHaler, similarly cruddy, I suppose. (laughs) Uh, Then there's the Lonhala Magnair, which is the only nebulized llama. Did you do a video on how to use that at one point? Yeah, a long time ago. A long time ago.
0: It's it's a pretty cool little nebulizer. It's like a little, like, looks like the size of, like, a, you know, like oversized hamburger or something. It's pretty small. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you, just, you could tote it around with you in a little
1: like to-go bag that it has. And Some might call that a normal-sized hamburger. Just maybe depends. depends on what kind of place
0: you're going to. But know. But you know, there's no way you're spending. No, for money. me it's oversized. I, I was just putting it in terms Have of. Have you a seen new... a McDonald's hamburger? Those right. are not. Those are normal size. Those are normal size <laughs> burgers.
1: Man. Uh, and also, I buy the frozen ones from, from uh, Walmart. Great value, of um, course. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So the the llamas inhibit the action of acetylcholine at the type three muscarinic, so the M three receptors in the bronchial smooth muscle. That's how they cause their bronchodilation. Um, they can be some of them are once or twice daily. I always remember that the encruz are not the encruz, but the elliptas are once daily. Um, adverse effects would be dry mouth, constipation, headaches, uh, pharyngitis, that sort of thing. I took a long time on that section, didn't I? No, well, I interrupted you multiple times. Well, I did tell an, an eight-year-old anecdote, so well,
0: well, you know, we're glad we all could hear it. <laughs> yeah. The uh, and then we also have our combo nailers, um, so our llama lavas, which are going to be our main uh, combos of focus, I would say. Um, we have glycopyrrolate and um available under the brand name Bovespi Aerosphere, and if you want to be really disappointed. Get excited about seeing the Aerosphere because it sounds so intense. And then open up the box and realize <laughs> it's just an HFA inhaler with a cool name. And you can be disappointed just like I was
1: when I, I was so excited. You ordered the samples, yeah. sample devices, uh-huh. demos. I was like, let's see what we got. Opened um, it like, up.
0: oh, this looks like Pro Air. <laughs> this is
1: a big so light. are telling me this is going to get all gunked up in the humidity. I'm going to have to rinse this out. Yeah, too. exactly.
0: It was very, very, very. I was like, Aerosphere. Don't name it something awesome. And if it's not, anyways, um, we also have Glycopyrlate and Indicatorol um, under the brand name Utibron. NeoHaler. That's thinking NeoHaler again. Um, Teotropium and Oladaterol are available under Stylto. And then meclidinium and Vilanterol are Anora Lipta. Um, I would say personally, that's the one we use um, most of our uh, clinic just because we have it under 340B pricing. But we've definitely been using the heck out of some Menorra. Um And then we have our combination inhalers that I was just kind of uh, making fun of a little bit when it comes to COPD. But the ICS LABAs, those are still there. Um, you will still see them here and there for for uh, COPD, or especially if they're coming to you because they were started incorrectly. Um, you may see patients on these, but uh, we have like Simbacort, uh, which I just said make sure we do not use for rescue inhaler, but you could still technically use it as a um, controller or maintenance inhaler um, if the person needed an ICS. Uh, you could also use the Advair, um, which is fluticasone and salmeterol, and then there's Dulera, um, formoterol and mometasone, and then the newer fluticasone fuel rate formulation mixed with Valentrols, Brio Alepta. Yes. Um, well, since we're telling stories from a long time ago, this mm. is the Brio Alepta. Every time I see that drug, I remember because uh, my wife did her grand rounds when, and that was, so she was a year ahead of me, right? So mm-hmm. that was when she did grand rounds. I had never, you know, I hadn't done mine yet. So it's like, that was a big deal. she's getting that knocked right. out and stuff. You know, it was just a lowly third year. And uh, I remember, um, Wort had asked her about like she had done some patient case that she had made up, and Wort was trying to Doctor Wort, yes, Doctor Wort has been uh, was was degrading her, and he was basically trying to get her to say the study that had come out that we're going to mention. Um, but she just got completely fl- flustered, and so instead of just kind of just saying, "Oh, I'm," you know, I think she just was. He's like, "But for this patient, like, what what inhaler like would be maybe better than the one you were talking about?" And she goes. I don't know, but I like Brio. <laughs> so I was joking with Dr. Stare Later on, I was like, man, she basically told, told uh, Dr. Ward that, you know what? I don't give a crap about what the evidence says. I like my
1: drug. I like Brio. She just full-on panicked, but it was, it was really funny. That's he, what her topic was. Yeah,
0: but it was on Brio. and He was trying to get her to pick teotropium over Brio. Was it a it was, new drug back then? Yeah, it was like when it first came out. But it was just hilarious that, and then she's just like <laughs> not having it. She's like, I'm no. not trying to be questioned about my patient base. This it was is just, great. I was like, oh, they get to see her side of when she gets frustrated. She doesn't get it. She just gets in a full
1: defense. And you said, someday I'm going to marry that girl. And Are we all married already? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, oh, too late. <laughs> You're like, well, I married that girl. <laughs> yeah, every time I see Brio, I think about that. That's good.
0: All right, let's let's put this all together now and talk about how we're going to start someone on therapy. Yes,
1: um, so I will. There's a very nice little synopsis um, image on the goal guidelines website, so check that out. I'll try not to confuse you as I just very briefly walk you through it. But Mike mentioned the ABCD. Classifications, that's ultimately where you want to get, and that's going to give you an idea of where we want to um, go with therapy. What determines the ABCD groups are um, how many exacerbations a patient's having, if those are leading to hospitalizations, as well as those MMRCs and CAT scores that we talked about before. Interestingly, the gold one through four does not apply here. That's just more for uh, evaluating severity in a different way, but this will um, take into account the things I just mentioned. So group A would be a patient who is having um, zero to one moderate exacerbations that don't lead to hospitalization and they have a low MMRC and CAT scores, zero to one and less than 10 respectively. But basically this is at the lowest tier of severity. Um, Group B Uh, is moving up as far as the MMRC and CAT scores. Those might be higher, greater than 2 and 10, respectively, but still 0 to 1 moderate exacerbations, no hospitalizations. Then group C and D uh, is going to mimic the MMRC and CAT scores, but these patients may have two or more moderate exacerbations or have at least one that's leading to a hospitalization. So that's group C and D. So group A, the lower severity, all they is recommended is a bronchodilator, group A. Group B, it can be, it needs to be a long-acting bronchodilator. So they don't have a preference between a LABA or a LAMA. Um, we'll get into that in a second. Group C, uh, they recommend a LAMA specifically. And then group D, a LAMA. Or if they're highly symptomatic, uh, like a CAT score greater than 20, a high CAT score, a LAMA plus a LABA. Or if their eosinophils are greater than 300, an ICS plus LABA. And we'll get into that a little more in a minute as well.
0: Yeah. And there's to mention as well, like when we, when he, when Coles says group a, and he's also, he says the bronchodilator, they're talking about in that case, like an albuterol or the comp event mat. I think that sometimes it gets confusing. Um, the reason they specify the long acting bronchodilators, cause that's the true, like once, you know, you're, where you're scheduling it every single day, the group a, um, the bronchodilator that just kind of arbitrarily mentioned, that's like the
1: as needed group right. still. So we don't necessarily need a controller yeah. in that.
0: Instance. Exactly. So just to kind of, make sure that that you know goes is, is very clear for everybody and then you will continue using that as a rescue inhaler um, while the patient is uh, you know moving into or if, if they are in group b or c or d or whatever initiation you'll start them on a controller and then give them a rescue inhaler as well yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, the, the reason why group B has a long acting bronchodilator and just kind of arbitrarily just says you can pick lava or a llama and then group C, all of a sudden they're specific about a llama, um, comes from the, a specific study, which is the one that Dr. <laughs> Burt was trying to get my wife to mention called the POET trial. Um, and included over 7,000 patients and it looked at teotropium versus salmeterol. And uh, it was showed that uh, it increased the time that it took for for the first exacerbation to happen. Um, And so basically they had had a longer period of time before they had an exacerbation. And then it also reduced the number of annual exacerbations. And uh, when they kind of looked at the subgroups of patients, the groups that would have been classified as group C and D were the ones that that benefit was like statistically significant over the LABA versus the healthier patients the a and b's those were um about the same in both group when you separated them out like that so that's why they're not specific until they get to group c
1: right which um though in a patient who may progress i mean you know a llama yeah. kind of makes sense because they might yeah you, you to might to have the to sw- instead of having to switch them then they can just be a yeah. llama but um yes and i did want to touch on we kind of mentioned how the um i the corticosteroids, the icss have kind of fallen um not out of favor but that just it's they're only effective in specific groups so I'm going to kind of mention who those might be and maybe some groups not to, to use them in so um, ideally in combination um, you're saving them for more of last line after the llama lava combo um, there's certain situations where you could use the lava ICS but um, not always ideal. Uh, There's strong support for ICSs if they have a history of hospitalizations um, for exacerbations, uh, despite their appropriate long acting bronchodilator maintenance therapy. Um, they're still having greater than two moderate exacerbations per year, despite their uh, maintenance therapy. Their blood eosinophils have to be greater than 300. And um, history it hel- it's helpful to have a history of or concomitant asthma because we know that ICSs can be more effective in asthma. Um, they might consider it in a patient with one moderate exacerbation per year with eosinophils 1 to 300, not as strong of evidence. And then they recommend against use if there's repeated pneumonia events, or if their eosinophils are less than 100, uh, or if they have a history of mycobacterial infection, you would recommend against the use of an ICS.
0: I think the episode that we did a while back where we talked about COPD, um, the patient came in and was on a. Uh, was on a LABA ICS, I think it was Advair, and when we look back at his chart, realized that he had had pneumonia like four times yeah. over the past couple of years. So it's just an example of like improper ICS LABA combos being used in COPD. Yeah, um, definitely not in, unless they're indicated. So uh, if if you learn nothing else in this episode, make sure you get that down. So now that uh, that four quadrant algorithm that Cole was talking about is the initial pharmacological treatment. Um, at that point. Um, you're you're basically you know, that's our starting point. We're not going back to that table anymore. I think that's something also that gets kind of confusing. Um, At this point, we're kind of looking up uh, or looking down to the follow-up pharmacological treatment, um, which obviously if the patient um, has either dyspnea or exacerbations on despite being on the initial therapy, we're probably going to need to escalate. And those are the two ways that we kind of pick a path, so to speak, would be dyspnea or exacerbations. Those are the two things we would target um, as far as advancing therapies or adding therapy to it. Um, and then, so we would want to figure out which direction we need to go. And then if the patient is experiencing both of those, then we also could, uh, or we will just kind of go down the exacerbation route and, um, which will also help with dyspnea as well. Um, But the dips is basically if we if we're starting from that path We're thinking along the lines of okay the patient is either on a lava or a llama from their initial treatment So the next step ideally is going to be just the combo of whatever one. They're not already on So if they're on a lava just add a llama and vice versa Uh, And so they're on the lava llama combo therapy and you can even if they're on a one inhaler is a single mono agent you can Switch them to a combo. All the all the inhaler types have their own Mm -hmm. um, version of combo llama llamas. Um, Now, if a patient is on a LABA ICS, let's say like if they were started on that um, inappropriately from the onset of their diagnosis, um, or if they've had like whole set history of uh, pneumonia or something like that, lack of response to ICS, then instead of just adding the LAMA to that and then continuing the, the triple therapy, you could at that point consider switching from a LABA ICS to the proper LABA LAMA and go from there. Um, at that point, uh, unless the patient again has like the glaring reason to be in an ICS, um, we would the and they're still having dyspnea despite the fact that they're on a laba lama. We want to consider um, switching the inhaler device itself. Uh, it could be an ellipta device, which a lot of people like, but maybe the dry powder is not something that they can actually inhale into the lungs. And we need to switch to like a Respimat or something, or maybe there's something else going on. Maybe they have some kind of heart failure or some other thing that's compounding the the symptoms of you know dyspnea in general. But um, don't just automatically think, okay, laba lama is not working. Let's just jump to ICS yeah. and combo. Consider maybe switching to a different device and things like that first.
1: Right. Uh, and to further support um, what Mike has been reiterating the Lamalaba versus lab ICS, there is an important trial in the um, pulmonary world, the FLAME trial. 3,300 patients. Uh, it was a Lamalaba, which was endocaterol and glycopyrrolate, versus a Laba ICS, which was salmeterol flaticazone. The Lama-Laba was um, uh, overall better, a decreased annual rate of exacerbations more, decreased time to first exacerbation more, and then there was less change in the FEV1 from baseline uh, during their study period, which was week 52. So is that the last time we'll say not to start with lava ics
0: Yeah, and I think I actually had that, that thing that I gave you, I think is actually wrong. It's, it should be increased time to... First exacerbation. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yes. I actually, I get Decreased said,
1: annual rate of exacerbations, increased time to first exacerbation. I yes. said
0: uh, call over failure on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but so, okay, so that, the Dipsnea side of things is what we just mentioned. And then exacerbations is the other side of the puzzle. Um, if the patient is complaining of, of exacerbations, um, it's kind of just like with Dipsnea, we would start with whatever they're on initially, LABA or LAMA, and then we would add on the other agent that they're not. Um, if unless their eosinophil count was above three hundred, then we would think about an ICS. Once they have the lava llama and they're still having exacerbations. Um, if, their, if their eosinophil count is above 100, so we give a little bit more leeway there at this point. Um, if it is 100 or more, um, then we can go to the triple therapy. So, um, you know, whether it's combo therapy or adding on the ICS. Uh, if that's not the case, so their eosinophil count is less than 100, um, we're not just going to add it on for the heck of it. At that point, we're going to assess um, whether or not they could be a candidate for oral therapy. And there's a couple of them that we can choose from. Um, there is uh, rifrumilast or delarasp, which is um, the uh, an oral agent that is utilized for someone who's already on LABA-LAMA therapy or LABA-LAMA ICS, and their FEV1 is still less than 50%, and they also have chronic bronchitis. They have both of those things. They could be a candidate for um, rifrumilast. Yep um and we'll come back and talk about that individually in a second but uh, the other option would be a patient um, to be on schedule azithromycin orally Um, specifically if they're a former smoker they're more prone to um, developing an h flu infection of pneumonia and so the azithromycin is thought to help with that along with uh, the anti-inflammatory properties of azithromycin as well Um, so that can be an option is you know much as the antimicrobial stewardship community I'm sure would not be per, you know pleased with that that is uh, sometimes done i will I will say that's probably the most controversial
1: thing um, on here as far as the recommendations though yep but um. Yeah, I can talk about Reflamil Yeah, her, you want
0: to give some more details about Reflamil? Yeah,
1: her. so DalyResp is the brand name. Uh, it's a PDE4 inhibitor, phosphodiesterase 4 inhibitor. So um, that's always going to affect cyclic AMP. So it increases cyclic AMP levels, leading to a reduction in lung inflammation. They're 500 microgram tablets. It's taken once a day. Um, there can be issues with um, the liver. So it's contraindicated if they have moderate to severe liver impairment. It can cause some side effects like diarrhea, weight loss, appetite suppression, trouble sleeping. Um, it doesn't have mortality benefit as far as its data goes, but it does decrease uh, exacerbations. Um, and it might be considered, kind of like Mike mentioned, in um, uh, patients with an FEV1 less than 50%, uh, and they have chronic bronchitis.
0: I think the the weight um, loss part of it is a big deal with this patient population because at this point, a lot of the patients are having issues with like muscle wasting and things like yep. that. Um, and so that's something that we... Tend to not worry too much because that's like a warning with like Wellbutrin and things like that too. It's like oh, weight loss—they might like that. Yeah, exactly. Not, not really. Not in this patient. In fact, we were going. We were actually considering using this in a patient um, a week or two ago, and um, because they were not a candidate for an ICS and they were already on a Nora and still having issues. And uh, the problem is the patient weighed like 115 pounds. Yeah. And there's just no no sense in potentially putting them further at risk for malnourishment and stuff. Yeah. So, but it's one though. I feel like it gets overlooked very quickly. People Mm -hmm. just automatically assume we're going to jump to triple therapy yeah yeah um, drug lips, the drug reps like to tell you about that <laughs> yeah, triple okay. therapy option trilogy guys. So uh, there's two uh, Combo products if you were gonna go the ICS Laba Lama triple combo, you can get all of them in one um, drug so Trilogy ellipta is like like Cole just mentioned is the Valenterol, the meclodinium and the fluticozone fuel rate so once a day trilogy very convenient um, if you are gonna go that route, but it's you know a little pricey and I mean, you got to get it covered by the insurance and all that good stuff. And then they also have, for motorol, fumarate, glycopyrrolate, Ambudesanide. Uh, is the tree Aerosphere. Again, don't get too excited when you hear that inhaler. because is that's the newer that, one? Not as cool as, uh, yeah, that's the newest one. Yeah. So um, Aerosphere, very big disappointment still, but
1: triple drug therapy nonetheless. It's nice to have them all in one inhaler. It sure would be. I'll tell you what. Um, so, with COPD, uh, there are many instances where a patient may need supplemental oxygen. We're all very familiar with um, individuals who have to have oxygen tanks uh, used. They're, it's not just across the board. Everybody with COPD getting oxygen, It's uh, they have to meet uh, certain criteria to have benefit from it. So, who are we considering it in? Um, patients who have arterial hypoxemia. That's defined as a um, PaO2 of less than 55 millimeters uh, of mercury, or an oxygen saturation less than 88 uh, percent. Uh, additionally, it could be a, a PaO2 greater than 55, but less than 60, so 55 to 60, but they also have right heart failure or urethrocytosis. If either of those are the case, you can prescribe supplemental oxygen and you're going to titrate it to keep the um, oxygen saturation greater than 90 percent. And then you don't just leave them there. You recheck it in 60 to 90 days, you reassess. Uh, to see if it's still indicated um, or if it's even being effective uh, but but a lot of patients will end up on kind of perpetual oxygen therapy
0: so I have a question for you guys AJ's for you too um, have you ever seen this was big I feel like like ten years ago and I haven't seen any, really anything since but like the oxygen bars remember when that was a thing Oxygen water, oxygen bars. Yeah, it's like you like literally put like the nasal cannula up, and they just like give these little things of like you can turn on like o- pure oxygen. They're like different scents or what? whatever, and like they smell good, but it's just like pumping in oxygen. No, you don't. You're like that. I can run forever.
1: <laughs> I've seen a water branded as oxygen water. Is yeah. that special? This in some is way? this is
0: literally like you sit at a bar table and they like, give you like this nasal cannula that's hooked up to oxygen bottles. What? Yeah. they has got them in Colorado Springs. Yeah, they had one in... Uh, what, for what purpose does this serve? I guess you just... Oxygen. Yeah, you just get oxygen. I, uh, granted, I mean, the last
1: time I did this, I was like... I've I, been drinking I, smart water for a long time, and I don't know that it's done anything for health me. Health well. is wealth. Health yeah, health
0: is wealth cold. cheese. Um, I went to the, one of these things when I was like 19. though. So I was, you know, I was an idiot, 19-year-old. And they were like, oh, it's like 50 bucks here. And I was like, but it's free out there. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to go breathe. But it's not pure oxygen yeah, out there. Just, yeah, that's like del- They gave me the whole lecture about it. And of course, like an idiot, I was like, I'm going to try this. <laughs> Got and oxygen in a can now as well. It's pretty much just, I saw that when I was in Colorado. Because for people like me who can't breathe at all at elevation, you just get a. I've seen that for like, air for
1: athletes and whatnot.
0: Yeah. I've yeah. Exactly. That. It's only for athletes. That's why I had one. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I was using, utilizing one. Then Anyways. It's then, it's, um,
1: then it's on the level.
0: Don't yeah. know. No, <laughs> that's back. New catchphrase. All right, so um, that's pretty much the, uh, the whole breakdown of like COPD management, of you know the, the maintenance management of drugs, and we're going to touch on exacerbations real quick, but let's just run through it one more time just to make sure, because we've been told that we need to summarize more, at least some emails <laughs> have said so. So um, initial treatment, we're looking at the, their modified MRC, their CAT score, and then we're getting a, a history of their exacerbations or hospitalizations. That's gonna help us determine which of the four quadrants that the patient goes into, group A, B, C, or D. That's our initial treatment. Once we figure that out, we start them on therapy. Follow up, you know, three to six months, whatever it may be, mostly probably three months. Um, If they are not controlled, they're still having symptoms, specifically either having dyspnea or they are experiencing exacerbations. Then we're picking a path and we're most likely adding on the LAMA or LAVA, whatever was not started first. Um, and then after that, we're assessing whether or not they need an ICS. Uh, if not, then we can consider uh, for our exacerbation patients, we can consider Delarasp or Rofumolast. For our dyspnea patients, we can also make sure we don't forget to if they're on a LABA LAMA. It's not working still. So consider switching to a different inhaler device, or uh, you know, doing another differential diagnosis to see if something else could be going on. And then if they have a eosinophil count above 300 or if they are already on a llama, llama having exacerbation still and their eosinophil count is above 100, then they, can, uh, then they can be a candidate for an ICS as well. But other than that, don't use ICS in COPD. Great summary. Oh, hey, thanks, dude. Love yeah, it. I tried.
1: Um, so we'll end with exacerbations and some um, uh, kind of uh, follow-up things, but... Before, if a patient has is having an exacerbation, sometimes it can mimic some other things. It's not always entirely clear when they um, when they're admitted exactly what's going on, or if there's just something more significant underlying. So I'll, I'll mention some differentials to consider. Um, so if there's suspicion of an acute condition, um, consider pneumonia, and you might have to do a, a chest radiograph or some other tests for that. Could also be pneumothorax, pleural effusion, could be a PE. Um, could be pulmonary edema due to other cardiac related conditions, as well as some sort of arrhythmia like an AFib or a flutter. So, those are all things to consider and may have a similar presentation to a COPD exacerbation.
0: Yeah. So, basically, get your other imaging devices ready potentially Yeesh. and uh, maybe a D dimer or so. Yes. But um, the big difference with uh, treating an exacerbation is the use of oral glucocorticoids. So we are not going to be using them long term or for maintenance therapy. Uh, but sometimes we can give them in an acute exacerbation. Uh, basically, they can help with the uh, reduce the rate of treatment failure, the rate of relapse, and improve lung function and breathlessness in that acute state. Um, and so the. You know the long-term effects of those we know can be detrimental on a person's overall health, um, and so we're not doing them continuously after the fact when they get you know discharged. But while they're inpatient, uh, it's not uncommon for them to get steroids, and um, just make sure that they get stopped when they're
1: leaving. Don't let them leave them five milligrams a day of prednisone. Right. Sometimes do they continue it for a few days after or is it always right when they discharge?
0: Um, well, I guess when I say discharge, I'm more so talking about like don't let them get a whole month's right. supply okay, right. of kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure if it's a couple days after, that's right. fine, but just don't let it leave it on their open
1: meds. Right. And you have different goals with an exacerbation versus maintenance therapy, right? So acutely, we want to relieve their dyspnea first thing. So you're giving a Saba plus or minus a Sama, so that's where the Duneb Nebulizer comes um, into play a lot in uh, in the hospital. You want to reduce airway inflammation and improve lung function. The corticosteroids can help with both of those. And then if they have an infection, needs to be eradicated antibiotics. Uh, maintenance long-term we want to reduce the risk of new exacerbations and then give them evidence-based therapies to prolong their life right so smoking cessation biggest best thing they can do especially in this patient population Uh, then we're considering all the drugs we've been talking about as well as immunizations Um, we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute Um, possibly pulmonary rehab uh, if that's an option for them and then uh, other other self-management support as well
0: and uh, I will mention that our sponsor Pearls, um, the app has a very nice um, management of COPD, the 2022 goal guidelines summary that they have. Uh, they have a very nice infographic along with some drop down boxes that have summaries all packaged up nicely in their app. Um, so they're our sponsor of the podcast. And so if you have not checked them out yet, go uh, to www.pearls.com slash coreconsultrx. Sign up for a free membership. Check out the app. See what you think. You'll get some free charts and things like that. And um, then if you like it, you can always uh, you know upgrade it to the uh, professional version or just keep using the free one as well. It's a pretty cool app though. So big thanks to Pearls for continuing to sponsor us and help us out with the podcast. Um, definitely uh, check out their their stuff, and um, the I guess the thing we'll finish up on is just mentioning the the pneumonia vaccines associated mm-hmm. with that. because it's one thing that we got to make sure that we're um, vaccinating our COPD patients for pneumonia, and um, and for a while I feel like we were all kind of in the mindset of just doing Prevnar thirteen for the older population and then pneumovax twenty three in the younger population. But uh, with the new guidelines um, being updated based on the approval of Prevnar 20, um, that kind of takes the place of having to figure out which age group and all that stuff. It gets uh, the different polysaccharide versus the conjugate vaccine, all that good stuff. Now we just can say, hey, if they have diabetes, they have COPD or asthma, or some kind of chronic lung condition, they're 19 to forever old, um, they can get uh, Prevnar 20. And they don't have to wait till they're 65 or also have an immunocompromised
1: condition or something like that. Next time Um, I fill out a health questionnaire and I need to put my age, I'm just going to say forever old.
0: I'm forever old. Well, but that would be a lot. That's a different song. Forever Young. Who sang
1: that? It's AJ's favorite band. Well, then I bet you um, Weird Al can do forever old. Well right. i 'em I'll I'll send him a text and let him yeah. let him know I have an idea. Just he's uh, gotta be getting up there and give age. him some royalties. Yeah.
0: He's gonna he doesn't need royalties from me. Oh, well then he needs to give you royalties. Right. For my ideas. For your ideas, yeah. Yeah, these aren't these aren't free. But uh yeah, so Perevnar twenty is the kind of taking the place of that. So um if you haven't checked out the new updated guidelines, definitely make sure you Take a gander at those.
1: So you're not. We haven't really people. done it in any episodes or anything on that, have we?
0: I think we mentioned it, maybe in the new, new drug
1: update, possibly, maybe not. I don't think so. I don't think we've done anything on it. I well, had it on a list. Actually, we did now. <laughs> I had it on a list of updated, uh, update. new um, mechanical updated pneumococcal vaccines guidelines? Yeah. Wow. Well,
0: there you go. That's a sneak peek for an episode we may or may not do. There you go. It's on a list somewhere that Cole hasn't. We'll shown sneak
1: me. in some more detail. I don't know if it could do a, a whole episode, but maybe I'll write it down and throw in the monkeypox vaccine too. Oh, there you go. Okay. It does have a vaccine. Monkeypox. It has a vaccine? Yeah.
0: Yeah. We still haven't gotten it yet. So I that's haven't. good news. AJ used to monkeypox for. Oh, I haven't got monkeypox monkey for you. Yeah. Okay, 100%. Okay. 3 of us are good to go. No, that's why well, we don't have masks on.
1: I saw um I saw somebody say that uh monkeypox is uh harambe uh, <laughs> seeking revenge. R.I.P.
0: <clears throat> Seemed like a good guy. <laughs> Ended too short. <laughs> anyways isn't that the controversy? though?
1: He did have a kid in his hand. Well, <laughs> I see both sides. We're not going to get controversial on here. Oh, anyways,
0: <laughs> I, I did. See, okay, this is the last Harambe. How thing. old is
1: How old is this? Like this Ten is too years old. ago. We've had a
0: lot of reminiscing on this episode. Yeah, we, we had. I saw a shot glass one time. It said, <laughs> said, "Take a shot for Harambe," because he took a shot for you. <laughs> And by no means am I laughing at that because that is horrible. Oh, but he was holding a child. I know. I totally get it. I just think that that's funny. They put the May twenty eighth, two thousand Right. So oh, it was just sixteen. Oh, yeah. I
1: see. If you, I would have said twenty twelve. Man, that dude is way sooner than that. He was born May twenty seventh, nineteen ninety nine. So the day after. Oh, his so he was up there. Seventeen. He birthday. was a minor.
0: Well, he's a gorilla, so they don't. They're on a different legality, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh just, dang, AJ Colson does not zoos work <laughs>
1: this
0: is terrible <sighs> we have a podcast people <laughs> anyways I guess we should finish this one
1: that's all we had right
0: I think so I anything think else AJ that we missed that's it you agree you concur? I concur. Oh, okay, cool. Password that's that's is, what agree means. Mucociliary, <laughs> <laughs> mucociliary escalator. What is <laughs> it? Mucociliary escalator or exhale? It's not uh, a, 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 a challenge. Which, uh, which did
1: we go with? We're going to go. Cole's so confused
0: number two. on law, laws around gorillas, and AJ <laughs> is confused about how to say words properly. So, okay, it's good. As a unit here, we don't look super strong <laughs> to finish, but that's okay. So, uh, anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode up until the last little bit. Um, if you have not done so already, go follow the show. Lo- the show notes. Click on that link. that will take you to the uh, Free CS website. Then um, fill- put in the password "exhale," uh, and then you'll take your test and you'll crush it. And then get your credit and be one hour closer to having credit. <laughs> having getting the your ability license to take your uh, license. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get your license again. But you should be doing a lot more than that. The yeah. recommended number That's What is it It's, it's posturously low Well it depends on the state But Compared to the, the whole year At yeah. least three you should be doing Three days worth of You should be doing 72 hours 72 hours <laughs> Every year All right, guys. Thank you so much. If you have any questions for Cole or myself or AJ, uh, you can reach us on um, any of the social media platforms. Emails are in the show notes as well. Um, There'll also be a number you can send us a text on if you prefer that method. And um, definitely check out Patreon if you want more traditional style lectures. Uh, It's patreon.com slash coreconsultrx. You'll get some uh, ability to download all the slides and that cool stuff. And um, yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Have a good one.